Act Three of the Torchbearers by George Kelly. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Note The setting for Act Three is the same as for Act One, except that the small chair which Jenny brings on at the opening of the play is eliminated. Jenny is seated at the table below the piano reading the pictorial review the door closes out at the right she stops reading and listens then resumes ritter wanders in from the right hallway wearing a black overcoat and a derby the derby is a bit over one eye and his cigar is at a comical angle jenny sees him and rises immediately circling around to the left to the middle of the room oh mr ritter he comes into the center door and stands there looking at nothing i didn't hear you come in sir is the show over ritter removing his gloves it's all over town by this time mrs ritter just telephoned a minute ago is she alive alive mr ritter ritter moving down to the table below the piano and thrusting his gloves into his overcoat pocket because if she is she's got a charmed life commencing to unfasten his coat the seaman's institute god help them on a night like this she was anxious to know if you were still unconscious ritter taking off his overcoat if she telephones again tell her yes he is in a tuxedo suit jenny crossing to him and helping him with the coat ain't you feeling well again mr ritter no jenny i'm not he hands her his derby jenny taking the hat and coat to the partition seat above the piano well i'm sure i'm sorry sir ritter removing his scarf and after that exhibition tonight uh, i don't think i ever shall feel exactly well again was it a sad play ritter handing her his scarf the saddest thing i've ever seen in my life i less cry when a show is sad is that so yes sir and a funny thing about me is the sadder it is the more i cry you'd have had a big night if you'd been with me she passes back of him with the scarf to put it with the other things you'd better leave those things here jenny i may leave town again tonight i'll leave them right here did they clap much when mrs ritter finished ritter still standing above the table near the piano clipping the tip of a cigar which he has taken from his pocket i didn't wait for the finish they carried me out i'm dying till she gets home for i know exactly how she felt he looks at her keenly she is looking straight ahead have you been on the stage too jenny no sir i haven't mr ritter not lately but when i was at home in england i used to go on every once in a while for a bit of a change you know yes i know we had a little club in the town I lived in, and we used to give a show twice a year. Ritter nods slowly and comprehendingly. I always took off the comical parts. How is it they didn't get you into this show tonight? Oh, I haven't been on for a long time now, Mr. Ritter. My husband put a stop to it. She looks away off. What was the matter? Jenny turning to him suddenly. He died. Ritter replacing his penknife. I see and I've never felt much like cutting up after that. The telephone bell rings. She turns quickly and starts for the center door, Ritter moving over towards the mantelpiece. See who that is, Jenny. Jenny hurrying out into the left hallway. Yes, sir. Ritter getting a match from the table below the mantelpiece. Anybody for me? I've gone into permanent retirement. Jenny at the telephone. Yes? He listens narrowly mr ritter he makes a rapid movement towards her oh mrs ritter who do they want no ma'am she hasn't got home yet lowering the telephone and speaking to ritter mrs ritter who is it the police he lights his cigar jenny into the telephone all right mrs livingston i'll give her your message as soon as she comes in you're more than welcome i'm sure she hangs up and comes to the center door mrs livingston yes sir what did she want she says she wants to congratulate mrs ritter on her perfect performance tonight 
Did she see the show? She didn't say, sir. Ritter conclusively, and crossing in front of her down to the window at the right. She didn't see it. If any of those women come back here with Mrs. Ritter, Jenny, say that I'm not home yet, do you understand? Jenny settling the overcoat on the partition seat. Yes, sir. Ritter looking through the window. And that you haven't seen anything of me. Yes, sir, Mr. Ritter, all right. If my wife's alone, let me know as soon as she comes in. Yes, sir, I will. The telephone bell rings, and she hurries out to answer it. You haven't seen anything of me, remember. No, sir. Into the telephone. Yes, sir. He listens without turning. No, sir, she hasn't got home yet. She lowers the telephone and looks at him wide-eyed. He feels that she's looking at him and turns suddenly. What is it? Jenny into the telephone. No, sir. He hasn't got home yet, neither. Do they want me? She nods yes. Who is it? She nods that she doesn't know. Police headquarters. I'll bet a ten-dollar note. Tell them I had absolutely nothing to do with her going on. That I didn't hear about it until last night. And that I've been unconscious ever since. Jenny into the telephone. The Times? My God, the newspapers have got hold of it. Well, just a minute, please. Tell them she did it on a bet. The Times newspaper wants to know if Mrs. Ritter has a full-length photograph of herself for the morning paper. Ritter emphatically and going out through the center door into the right hallway and up the stairs. Tell them no. Jenny into the telephone. Hello? But that she'll have some taken as soon as she gets out of jail. He goes through the arched doorway at the head of the stairs. Jenny into the telephone. Why, I couldn't say, sir, whether Mrs. Ritter has a photograph of herself or not, sir, but I'll give her your message as soon as she comes in. Mrs. Pampanelli in the right hallway. Hurry, Theodore. Jenny still at the telephone. You're more than welcome, I'm sure. She hangs up and hurries in through the center door, glancing out the right hallway as she comes, and gathering up Mr. Ritter's overcoat, derby and scarf, hurries over above the table at the left and out. Mrs. Pampanelli in the right hallway. Be careful of those jonquils. Now be careful, Theodore. Now go back and fetch the others. Coming into view and seeing Jenny come in again at the left door. Oh, you're up, Jenny, aren't you? She comes through the center door, carrying her fan and an armload of orchids and red chrysanthemums, and wearing an enormous flowing cape of ruffled black lace, touched all over with tiny circular sequins and gold. Her dress, of course, is the ruby velvet one of the preceding act. Yes, ma'am, I'm up. I'm so glad. I hope I haven't roused you. She puts her fan on the piano and sets all the flowers down on the table. Will you go out and get those flowers from my chauffeur, Jenny? Jenny going out through the center door into the right hallway. Yes, ma'am. Mrs. Pampanelli arranging the flowers on the table. He set them right down there in the hallway. I came right on in when I found the door unlocked. I was afraid you'd be asleep. No, ma'am. I was waiting up. Well, that's perfectly angelic of you, I'm sure. She stands on the left side of the center door and looks into the right hallway. Can you manage, dear? Jenny appearing from the right. I think so. She struggles through the center door, carrying an enormous horseshoe made of red and white carnations and ferns. It is at least four feet high, set upon an easel, and across the front of it is a strip of white satin ribbon, ten inches wide, with the word success inscribed upon it in blue velvet letters. She is also carrying a huge basket of jonquils and a star made of white pansies. This last touch is fastened upon a violet easel. Let me help you, child. She takes the basket of jonquils and the star of pansies from Jenny. Now set that down right there. She indicates a point in front of the mantelpiece for the horseshoe, and Jenny crosses in front of her with it. I want Mrs. Ritter to see it first when she comes in. It's so appropriate. She sets the basket of jonquils on the piano. I suppose we can put these down anywhere here until she comes, can't we? She sets the easel of pansies down on the floor at the right of the table below the piano. 
Jenny, having set the horseshoe down in front of the mantelpiece. This way, Mrs. Pampanelli? No, dear, facing the door. Oh, I see. She turns it round facing the center door. That's it. I wanted to catch her eye as she comes in. And now, will you go back and fetch the others, Jenny? Jenny hurrying out through the center door. Yes, ma'am. Mrs. Pampanelli gathering up the chrysanthemums from the table. And these chrysanthemums. She sweeps across towards the mantelpiece and turns to her left, strewing the chrysanthemums through the center door and down toward the table at the left. I'll just strew in her pathway. Jenny comes in from the right hallway, carrying a huge anchor of vivid roses, with a broad band of navy blue ribbon running diagonally across it, and the words Siemens Institute in white velvet letters. She stands right in the center door, holding it, waiting for instructions as to its disposition from Mrs. Pampanelli. But Mrs. Pampanelli is lost in admiration of it, standing just to the left of the center door. Now set that down right here, Jenny. She indicates a point at the extreme left below the door, and Jenny hastens to place it there, setting it down half facing the center door, and Mrs. Pampanelli stands up at the center door, admiring it. Hope. Jenny turns to her and gives a faint little laugh. Hope for the success. She indicates the horseshoe with a gesture. Of our enterprise. They both laugh, and Mrs. Pampanelli steps quickly down to the table below the piano and picks up the orchids. And these orchids, I think, I shall just put right here on this table. She crosses to the table below the casement window and puts them down, then straightens up and sighs. Oh, dear me, I'm warm. She crosses back between the piano and the table below it, picking up her fan as she goes. Tis a bit warm. Mrs. Pampanelli fanning herself as she moves towards the middle of the room. And then I hurried so, foolishly. Did everything go along all right? Magnificently, my dear child. And Mrs. Ritter was a positive sensation. Did she get all these flowers? Oh, this isn't the half of them. We sent three automobiles full to the various hospitals. And Mrs. Fell's car was still taking them when I left. Jenny shakes her head from side to side in wonderment. These are just a few that we rescued for Mrs. Ritter. Sort of a little surprise for her, you know, when she gets home. They're certainly handsome. She doesn't even know that I've brought them. Is she coming right home? Do you know Mrs. Pampanelli? Why, I expect her, yes. I was afraid she'd get here ahead of me. She was waiting for Mr. Ritter. We heard at the hall that he was there, and she thought probably he'd come back and pick her up. He hasn't come home, has he? No, ma'am, I haven't seen anything of him. Mrs. Pampanelli, laughing a little indulgently, securing a hairpin and moving over towards the right. <laughs> Poor man. His wife's success has very likely gone to his head. She glances out the window. He went out of here about eight o'clock. Mrs. Pampanelli turning and coming back towards Jenny. Yes, we were so surprised to hear that he was there at all, because Mrs. Ritter had said that he hadn't regained consciousness up to the time she left the house. He hadn't neither. I thought I had two heads on me when I came in and saw him putting on his hat and coat. Well, did he seem all right? Yes, he seemed right enough, but he was awful pale looking. And a couple times I spoke to him, he gave me kind of a funny answer. So I got a bit frightened, you know, and asked him if he knew where he was going, and he said yes, that he was going to see the torchbearers. Kind of flightly, you know. Well, he would be, naturally. So then, when he got to the door, he turned around and he says to me, Jenny, if you never see me again, I want you to know that I died in the cause of art. And he went out. He was probably rambling a bit. But he walked straight enough. Mrs. Pampanelli, turning suddenly to the center door. I think I hear a machine, Jenny. Jenny stepping across quickly below the table to the casement window. I'll see. Do quickly, dear. Is Mrs. Fell coming back tonight? Mrs. Pampanelli looking out eagerly into the right hallway. Yes, she's bringing the rest of the flowers. I've sent my car back for her. Jenny turning abruptly from the window and hurrying across below the piano towards the center door. Here's Mrs. Ritter now. Is Mr. Ritter with her? Intercepting Jenny. No, don't go out, Jenny. I want to hear what they say when they see the flowers. Turning her round by the shoulder and indicating the door down at the left. 
You go into the other room there, and I'll hide here. She moves forward at the right and across below the piano. In this window. All right, ma'am. Mrs. Pampanelli stopping near the window and turning to Jenny. And Jenny, dear. Yes, ma'am. Don't come out until you hear me say surprise. All right, Mrs. Pampanelli. I won't. Mrs. Pampanelli steps into the alcove of the window, then turns again to Jenny. Now remember, Jenny, surprise. Yes, I know. She closes the door, and Mrs. Pampanelli conceals herself behind the window drapery. There is a slight pause. Then Mrs. Ritter hurries in from the right hallway, carrying a marvelous bouquet of American beauty roses. She comes in through the center door and stands looking, with a touch of astonishment, at the horseshoe. Then her eyes wander down to the anchor, and then over to the easel at the right. She is gowned in a very pale shade of gray lace, with gray silk slippers and stockings, and around her head she is wearing a wreath of laurel and gold, touched with brilliants. Her cloak is of black chiffon velvet, with a cape collar of black fox. She slides this cloak from her shoulders onto the partition seat at the right, and starts across towards the door at the left. Mrs. Ritter opening the door. Are you up, Jenny? Jenny! She closes the door again, and crosses above the table at the left, and over to the one below the piano. Here she sets down a few of the roses, then decides there's not sufficient room for all of them, and starts across to the table at the left. Ritter appears at the head of the stairs, and starts down slowly. She sees him, and stops dead. Fred! You don't mean to tell me you've been home here, and there I've been waiting at the hall since before ten o'clock. He wanders in through the center door, and leans against the piano, holding a lighted cigar in his hand. Why didn't you come back for me? Irene Colter had to bring me home. She starts to cry. Clara Shepherd told me she saw you there, so naturally I waited for you. And when you didn't come back, why, of course, right away I thought something had happened to you. She cries into her handkerchief. Something has happened to me. She looks at him apprehensively. What happened to you, Fred? Ritter, stonily, and moving down and across below the piano. I've seen you act. What? He raises his left hand solemnly and continues to the corner of the piano nearest the window, where he leans. She moves down a bit after him. What's the matter, Fred? Did you have another one of those spells that you had last night? Yes. Only a great deal worse. Oh, isn't that dreadful? What do you think it is, dear? Ritter turning slightly and glancing at the violet easel and over at the anchor. I don't know what it is. It looks like a wake to me. Who's dead? Dead? What are all these flowers doing here? Why, I imagine some of the ladies have been here from the show to fix up a little surprise for me. They should have lighted a few candles and completed the effect. But these are just presents, Fred, from friends of ours. Ritter straightening up and moving across below the table. They are tokens of sympathy. That's what they are. He crosses up and over above the table at the left. Mrs. Ritter following him over. But there's nobody dead, dear. Ritter raising his left hand solemnly again. Oh, yes, there is. Oh, yes. Really, dear. He turns just back of the armchair and pins her with a look. You're dead. She stands perfectly still, looking at him, wide-eyed. You died tonight, down there on that stage at Horticultural Hall. And so did everybody that was up there with you. Mrs. Ritter, with a troubled, uncomprehending expression. Why, how can I be dead, dear, when I'm here, talking to you? He stands looking straight ahead, smoking. She bursts out crying and turns to the partition seat at the right of the center door. Oh, Fred, it's terrible to see you this way. Richard sweeping his hand across his brow and starting across below the table towards the right. The human brain can only stand so much. 
mrs ritter setting her roses down on the partition seat you've just been working yourself to death but nobody could tell you anything she starts out into the left hallway for the telephone what are you going to do why i'm going to call dr wentworth of course what for because you need him i won't see any doctor now now listen friend ritter raising his hand and crossing to the left i won't see any doctor i tell you there's nothing he can do for me he stops above the armchair at the left and rests his hand upon the back of it it's all been done there's nothing left for me but to get out of town well just let him come over and see you dear what would i let him come over and see me for there's nothing the matter with me why you're as pale as a ghost that's nothing i've had a scare what scared you dear he turns and looks at her i was afraid every minute somebody was going to shoot you mrs ritter after a bewildered pause but why should anybody shoot me darling for trying to act he moves forward and across in front of the table to the right she watching him blankly making a laughing-stock of yourselves in front of the community didn't you like me fred i did till i saw you act mrs ritter rather helplessly as the situation dawns upon her why mrs pampanelli said i was a great artist ha mrs pampanelli is perhaps the world's greatest nut mrs pampanelli standing back in the window alcove at the right in a state of puzzled irresolution reacts physically to the last observation causing an abrupt movement of the drapery but neither ritter nor his wife are looking in that direction at the moment mrs ritter laying the remaining roses on the table she says i ought to go on with the work she meant the housework he replaces his cigar in his mouth mrs ritter looking at him with a touch of resentment no she didn't mean anything of the kind she says i ought to go to new york he takes the cigar from his mouth and looks at her keenly and what would you do when you'd get there why i'd go on the stage of course how why i'd go to the people that have charge of it and do you think they'd put you on the stage simply because you wanted to go on it well mrs pampanelli could give me a letter <clears throat> so that i'd have it when i get there that'd do you a lot of good you'd find a thousand there ahead of you with letters from mrs pampanelli's nobody in new york knows mrs pampanelli and if they did it'd probably kill any chance a person might have otherwise mrs pampanelli can contain herself no longer she flips the window drapery aside with a deft movement and stands looking at ritter from a great height mrs ritter who is facing the window utters an abrupt shriek of astonishment then ritter turns rather casually to see the cause of his wife's agitation and finds himself looking into the frozen eyes of mrs pampanelli he regards her rather impersonally and then quietly reaches up and secures his collar and tie she steps majestically from the window alcove and moves a bit nearer to him still holding him with an icy stare mrs pampanelli after a devastating pause you creature ritter turning smoothly away to his left as though he had been suddenly struck by something in the right eye another actress he moves along a few steps to the left in front of the table then turns and speaks to mrs pampanelli over his left shoulder what did you do come through the window i've been hiding here ritter resuming his walk over to the left i don't blame you after that show i've been doing the same thing myself he sits in the armchair over at the left mrs ritter who has been standing in a panic in the middle of the room staring wide-eyed at mrs pampanelli oh mrs pampanelli you didn't hear what he's been saying every word she very regally deposits her fan upon the piano and mrs ritter turning to ritter 
makes a long moaning sound now fred ritter you see what you've done she bursts into tears and comes down to the chair at the left of the table below the piano and sits down and i wouldn't have missed it i'll know how to regard this gentleman in the future i came home hurriedly with these few flowers as a little acknowledgment of the appreciation your work deserved and all i hear is abuse and a very crude but very venomous attempt at satire mrs ritter weeps aloud control yourself darling i wouldn't please him she's acting again mrs pampanelli withering him with a glance you barbarian to mrs ritter pull yourself together dear oh i just can't mrs pampanelli mrs pampanelli addressing ritter directly and indicating mrs ritter look at the state of emotion you've got this poor girl into she's an emotional actress mrs ritter bursts forth again savage to mrs ritter let me get you something darling call jenny yes dear she crosses to a point just to the left of the middle of the room then stops and calls towards the door at the left jenny dear surprise Ritter listens with a puzzled expression. Come here, Jenny. Surprise! Ritter turns round in the chair to his right and looks at her curiously. She meets his eyes with steady bitterness. Then he shifts his gaze to his wife. Why didn't you take your makeup off? I forgot. I was so worried about you. You look like a Dutch squaw. She bursts into tears again mrs pampanelli hastening over to her let her alone don't mind him paula she's all made up and it's coming off well what if it is ritter setting back into the armchair i don't want to be reminded of that show jenny enters hurriedly from the door at the left mrs ritter is ill jenny jenny comes quickly across above the table at the left my smelling salts jenny her smelling salts, dear. Jenny, hurrying out through the center door. Yes, ma'am. They're in my bureau basket. In her bureau basket, Jenny. Jenny, running up the stairs. Yes, ma'am, I know where they are. Mrs. Pampanelli, gathering up the roses from the table. Let me take these flowers out of your way, dear. You've been treated abominably. Although your husband's attitude is entirely consistent with that of the average husband's, after his wife has distinguished herself. Ritter makes a little sound of amusement, and she glares at him. And any observations of Mr. Ritter's to the contrary, you did distinguish yourself tonight, Paula. She turns to her right and puts the roses on the piano. Ritter sitting away down in the armchair, smoking. So did the Cherry Sisters. Mrs. Ritter weeps again. Mrs. Pampanelli turning back again from the piano to Mrs. Ritter. We are not talking to you at all, sir mrs ritter has a slight coughing spell will you get me a drink of water please certainly darling where is it you'll find it just inside the breakfast room mrs pampanelli sails across the room towards the left door just as she is passing back of ritter's chair he turns and looks at her and the excessive grandeur of her manner causes him to burst out laughing but she simply freezes him with a look and goes out through the left door he continues to laugh, and Mrs. Ritter, not having seen the cause of his laughter, stops crying and turns and looks at him very troubled. Fred Ritter, you're acting to me tonight just like a man that'd be losing his mind. He looks over at her. I really thought that was what was the matter with you when I first came in. Listen, when I didn't lose my mind watching that show tonight, I couldn't go nutty if I tried. Well, if anybody else comes here tonight, you just keep that kind of talk to yourself. There were lots of people there that thought it was wonderful. Look at all these flowers. Those flowers were all paid for long before anybody saw that show. There is a staccato tap at the front doorbell. Jenny is hurrying down the stairs with the smelling salts. Mrs. Ritter rising and trying to fix herself up a bit. Well, that's only your opinion she starts for the center door this is very likely nelly fell now don't you say anything to her remember she likes you 
mrs fell in the right hallway no i think i can manage theodore jenny hands mrs ritter the smelling salts at the centre door thanks jenny you're welcome she hurries into the right hallway and mrs ritter comes forward to the chair below the piano sniffing the salts ritter rises and saunters around and up to the left of the armchair you can close that door if you will couldn't wait for you jenny she rushes in from the right hallway i'm too much excited she plants herself in the centre door holding aloft in her right hand a beautiful basket of tulips and in her left a huge bouquet of violets well here i am with my frankincense and myrrh <laughs> she gives an hysterical giggle and teeters forward towards mrs ritter <laughs> oh there you are frederick ritter we thought something had happened to you pauline dear child i've come to worship at your shrine she places the basket of tulips down on the floor to the left of mrs ritter then straightens up regards mrs ritter giggles frantically and looks over at ritter mrs ritter laughing wanly and trying generally not to appear as though she had been crying you've been very sweet not half so sweet as you were on that stage to-night dear child you're made absolutely made turning to ritter isn't she frederick but he's busy getting rid of some ashes in the fireplace so she returns to mrs ritter it's one of those overnight things that one reads about she picks up the basket of tulips from the floor and teeters around above the table ah <sighs> dear me look at this wilderness of flowers she sets the basket on the table mrs ritter trying not to cry yes aren't they beautiful she darts a look at ritter not another word until i've kissed you she kisses her on the left side of the head oh you sweet child she shakes mrs ritter by the shoulders what can i say to you then she teeters to the middle of the room addressing ritter directly see here young man why aren't you just pelting your wife with these flowers he tries to hide his appreciation of the situation by turning away his head answer me he bursts out laughing and nelly teeters back towards mrs ritter my dear the man is so pleased he can't talk ritter laughs a little more and if you were any other woman but his wife paula he'd be sending you mash notes ritter begins to laugh again and nelly teeters towards him oh, you can laugh all you like frederick ritter but you can't fool nelly fell she comes back towards mrs ritter addressing her i've had three husbands i know their tricks she places her finger on mrs ritter's shoulder pauline dear child you may be sure that that young man is proud of you to-night if he never was before mrs ritter tries to laugh and when he gets you alone mrs ritter's attempt at laughter is instantly abandoned and she gives a startled glance towards ritter who turns away to his left and goes up towards the mantelpiece oh when he gets you alone mrs fell turns slowly and looks towards ritter with a roguish expression and a measured shaking of her finger at him he's going to tell you you were the loveliest thing that ever stepped on stage if he hasn't done so already have you frederick she looks at him with a mischievous eye have you he laughs at the irony of the situation she crosses towards him come on fess up i know the position is difficult he laughs hard and she laughs with him then turns back to mrs ritter <laughs> jenny comes in from the right hallway <laughs> you see my dear the man is so pleased he can't talk she sees jenny passing along the hallway and steps quickly up to the centre door oh jenny dear will you take these violets out and put them in some water jenny taking the violets yes ma'am mrs pampanelli enters at the left door with a glass of water i'm afraid they'll be all weathered jenny continues on into the left hallway mrs fell turns around into the room again where's mrs p sees mrs pampanelli oh there you are 
I was wondering where you were. Did you get the smelling salts, Jenny? Yes, ma'am. I gave them to Mrs. Ritter. She goes out at the left hallway. Yes, Betty, I have them. Well, Betty, you see, we managed to get them all here. Mrs. Pampanelli back of the table below the piano and at Mrs. Ritter's left. Here, try and drink this, Paula. Mrs. Ritter takes the water and tries to drink it, and Mrs. Pampanelli leans solicitously over her. There is a pause. Mrs. Fell, coming anxiously down at Mrs. Ritter's left. What's the matter? She looks at Mrs. Pampanelli. Is Paula sick? The critic has been giving his impressions of our play. Who? She turns towards Ritter. This critic here, you mean? She indicates Ritter and then looks at Mrs. Pampanelli. Mrs. Pampanelli inclines her head with the suggestion of a derisive smile and passes up to the center door. Mrs. Fell crosses quickly towards Ritter. What have you been saying, Frederick Ritter, huh? Mrs. Ritter laying the glass of water down on the table. Oh, what does it matter, Nellie, what he's been saying? What? Mrs. Ritter trying not to cry. I say, I say... She bursts into tears. I say, what does it matter what he's been saying? It doesn't matter in the least, as far as I'm concerned. Mrs. Pampanelli turns at the center door and comes forward slowly in the middle of the room. There's only one thing he could say if he told the truth. Mrs. Pampanelli laying her hand on Mrs. Fell's left arm. Eleanor, dear child, husbands are not always particular about telling the truth where the abilities of their wives are concerned. If I had listened to the promptings of my own soul instead of to my husband when I was a younger woman, I should, in all probability, be one of the leading figures in the American theater today. But I was fool enough, like a lot of other women, to believe that my husband had my welfare at heart. When the fact of the matter was, as I see it now when it's too late, he was simply jealous of my artistic promise. The cuckoo clock strikes the midnight hour. Ritter turns and looks up at it, then glances at Mrs. Pampanelli. She is looking up at the clock distrustfully. Mrs. Fell raises her eyes discreetly to it, then drops them to the floor. Why, the night I played Hazel Kirk, I had my best friends in tears. Yet when I returned from the hall, and the entire town of Coho is ringing with my name... My husband had the effrontery to tell me that I was so terrific he was obliged to leave the hall before the end of the first act. So. She turns to Mrs. Ritter. If this gentleman here has set himself up as your critic, Paula, remember my story. The actress without honor in her own house. She sweeps across below the piano to the window. Is my car out here, Nellie? Mrs. Fell moving over a bit towards Mrs. Ritter. Yes, it's there. I told Matthew he needn't bother coming back for me, that you'd take me home. Mrs. Ritter begins to cry softly, and Mrs. Fell steps to her left and puts her hand on her shoulder. Don't do that, Paula. She turns sharply and goes towards Ritter. What was the matter with that performance, Frederick Ritter? Why, they didn't even know their lines. Mrs. Ritter, straightening up abruptly and looking at him reproachfully. Oh, that is a falsehood. They ran over every line last night right here in this room, and they knew practically all of them. What good was that if they couldn't remember them on the stage? I they could, could remember, remember them, them on the stage. Mrs. Ritter, turning to Mrs. Pampanelli. I never missed one line. Not a line. She and that other woman sat there blinking at the audience like a couple of sparrowhawks they did nothing of the kind of course they didn't ritter speaking directly to mrs fell how do you know you weren't out there i could see them through the scenery couldn't i and they didn't look anything like a couple of sparrowhawks as you say well as i have never seen a couple of sparrowhawks i cannot appreciate the comparison well, you'd have seen a couple tonight if you'd been with me. Oh, don't argue with him, Betty. He's only trying to be smart. Why didn't one of them 
say something. What could they have said? Why any commonplace? It'd have been better than just sitting there blinking. Mrs. Ritter weeps. One can't be commonplace in high comedy. Was that what it was? What did you think it was? You tell her, Nellie. I haven't got the heart. You bold thing. Nellie is wearing the gown she wore in the preceding act and a heavy cloak of old rose-colored velvet. She lays her hand on Mrs. Ritter's left shoulder. Don't let him upset you this way, Paula. There is a little pause. Ritter turns at the center door and comes forward again at the left. Mrs. Pampanelli picking up her fan from the piano. I suppose you would have eclipsed Edwin Booth if you had been up there. Well, I'd have known better than to sit there blinking at the audience. Mrs. Ritter turning sharply to him. I didn't blink at the audience. Don't answer him, honey. What could they have done under the circumstances? Why, they could have covered it up. If they'd had any brains. Covered it up with what? Why, with anything. Impromptu conversation. Mrs. Fell looks at Mrs. Pampanelli and smiles pityingly. And have the audience laugh at them? They laughed anyhow, didn't they? That was not their fault. Whose fault was it? It was Mr. Spindler's fault. Mr. Spindler? He promised to attend to the various properties, and he did not attend to them. There was supposed to be a pen and ink on the desk for Mrs. Rush to leave a note for Dr. Arlington, and when Paula sat down to write the note, there was no pen and no ink. So she simply had to go on sitting there until Mr. Spearing went off and got them. I thought he'd left town. Oh, he wasn't gone so very long, Frederick Ritter. Not five minutes. I thought the show'd be over before he got back. The door wouldn't open when he attempted to go back, so he was obliged to go around to the other side. She illustrates the circumstance by waving her fan in a circular gesture about the table. <laughs> Nellie glares at him, then looks to Mrs. Pampanelli, who, with deadly level look, turns and moves haughtily up towards the center door. What happened to the skinny guy's mustache that had kept falling off every other line? It only fell off twice, don't exaggerate. <laughs> you bold thing. How many times was it supposed to fall off? Well, what if it fell off a dozen times? Everybody knew it wasn't real. He roars. It's a lucky thing for you, Frederick Ritter, that you're not my husband. That goes both ways, Nellie. Well, when you do something that you'll get so many flowers that my limousine will have to make three trips to get them to various hospitals, we may pay more attention to what you have to say. She turns away and moves back towards the center of the room, where Mrs. Pampanelli is just moving forward from the center door. I suppose most of the audience have gone with the flowers, haven't they? Nellie whirls round to retort, but Mrs. Pampanelli lays a restraining hand upon her right arm. Mrs. Pampanelli, with immortal authority. Don't answer him, Eleanor. Envy loves a lofty mark. The next time we have a part that calls for a very limited intelligence, we'll engage Mr. Ritter for it. Mrs. Fell, looking at Ritter. Now! Well, if you do, he'll know how to walk across the stage without tripping every other step. Who tripped every other step? Ritter indicating his wife. The weeping willow there. Mrs. Ritter begins to weep afresh. It's a wonder to me you're not afraid to lie so. She tripped when she first came through the door. I was looking right at her. She didn't fall, did she? No, but it looked for a while there as though she were going to. Mrs. Ritter's weeping becomes audible again. I very nearly had a heart failure. Mrs. Pampanelli laying her hand on Paula's shoulder. Don't mind him, Paula. She tripped when she came on the stage. She tripped when she went off. 
and she tripped over the rug when she went over to the desk. Mrs. Pampanelli with measured finality. She didn't trip any oftener than anybody else. He laughs. Mrs. Fell directly to Ritter. No, nor half so often as some of the others. Turning towards Mrs. Pampanelli. Now that you speak of it. She turns and goes up to the hallway. I will admit that Mr. Hosfross is a bit unsteady, but that is due to his weak ankles. What was the star's unsteadiness due to? The rugs. Ritter, looking at her keenly. What? The, the rugs. rugs. Those funny rugs that they have down there. We didn't use them at the rehearsals. And naturally, when it came to the performance, Paula wasn't accustomed to them. She was accustomed to rugs at home, wasn't she? Well, she wasn't at home on the stage. Ritter with a gesture of complete acquiescence and moving up towards the center door. That's my argument in a nutshell. Mrs. Pampanelli stands frozen in the middle of the room with an expression very much as though she were trying mentally to assassinate him. He comes back down again at the left to his former position. Why, I couldn't hear two-thirds of what she said. Well, evidently there were many people there who could hear what she said, for they laughed at all her points. She turns and goes to the piano, where she picks up several roses. Mrs. Fell comes forward through the center door and down towards the piano. I wanted to laugh, too, but I was afraid somebody'd turn around and see me. Mrs. Pampanelli turning to Mrs. Ritter. Are you ready, Nellie? Yes, I'm ready. Are you going, Betty? Yes, I must, darling. It's getting late. She places her hand on Mrs. Ritter's shoulder. Good night, dear. She passes up toward the center door. Good night, Betty. Mrs. Fell laying her hand on Mrs. Ritter's shoulder. Good night, Paula child. Good night, Nellie. Nellie follows Mrs. Pampanelli. Mrs. Pampanelli stopping at the center door and turning to Ritter. Perhaps at our next performance, Mr. Ritter will favor us with the benefit of some of his suggestions. She regards him with a touch of lofty amusement. He turns his head towards her and looks at her with a kind of mischievous squint. There aren't going to be any more performances, Mrs. Pampanelli, as far as anybody in this house is concerned. Mrs. Pampanelli, after a steady pause. No. He inclines his head in quiet emphasis. Not until there's a change in the management. There is another taut pause. Really? He inclines his head again. Then I'm afraid we shan't have you with us, Mr. Ritter. Ritter smiling. I know very well you won't have me with you. And as far as Mrs. Ritter's concerned, she's got a very good home here. And I love her. And any time she feels any dramatic instinct coming on, there's a very nice roomy attic upstairs. And she can go up there and lock the door, and nobody'll ever see or hear her. But if she ever gets mixed up again in anything like that atrocity I saw tonight, I'm through. He speaks the last words with quiet definiteness and turns towards the door at the left. And she'll get killed in the bargain. He hits the door open with the palm of his hand and goes out. There is a slight pause. Then Nellie Fell crosses quickly towards the mantelpiece, addressing Ritter as she goes. Why, Fred Ritter, I've heard you say yourself that you are in favor of a little theater in this city. Ritter coming in again through the door at the left, carrying his overcoat, derpy, and scarf. So I am. I say so again. He stops inside the door. But, in the light of that cataclysm tonight, you'll pardon me if I add that I do not see the connection. Mrs. Pampanelli stepping forward to the middle of the room and challenging him with a lift of her head and brows. What did you expect to see, Mr. Ritter? A finished performance from a group of comparative amateurs? I expected to see something almost as bad as what I saw. 
That's the reason I fainted last night and was unconscious for twenty-four hours at the prospect of it. He turns to Mrs. Fell and speaks quite colloquially. And that's the first time in my life I've ever fainted. Nellie just gives him a look and turns her head away. Don't mind him, Betty. He's only trying to show off. No, but I'm a bit curious. To know just how Mr. Ritter would expect to accomplish the establishment of a little theater here, unless through the medium of such performances as this one this evening. How else is our local talent to be discovered or developed? Well, I'm equally curious, Mrs. Pampanelli, as to your exact qualifications as a discoverer or developer of talent for the theater. That is a very familiar attitude. People who do things are constantly having their ability to do them called into question. She moves a step further forward and towards Mrs. Ritter. I'm afraid that's something you've read somewhere. She glares at him. The theater is a matter of instinct. The theater is a matter of qualifications, the same as any other profession, and it will only be through those particular qualifications that your little theater will ever be brought about. Well, perhaps you will come to the rescue. You seem so familiar with the various necessities of the little theater. He stops just to the left of the center door and looks at Mrs. Pampanelli straight. I am also familiar, Mrs. Pampanelli, with a little remark that Mr. Napoleon made on one occasion, a long time ago, about the immorality of assuming a position for which one is unqualified. There is a pause. He settles his coat on his arm and moves slowly out through the center door into the hallway, while Mrs. Pampanelli, with an expression of eternal exclusion, moves over between the piano and the table towards the window. Fred Ritter, where are you going? Ritter lighting his cigar in the hallway just outside the center door. I haven't the faintest idea, but I shouldn't be surprised if I'd go on the stage. Mrs. Fell standing back of the armchair at the left. One star is enough in the family. Ritter bowing very graciously to her. Applause. She turns away and looks straight ahead. Then Ritter bows towards Mrs. Pampanelli. And great laughter. Mrs. Pampanelli isn't looking at him, but she knows that that is meant for her, so she simply moves another step or two towards the window. Mrs. Ritter turns to see what Ritter is doing. He takes a step and leans forward towards her, followed by booing. She turns back again and starts to cry, while he continues out into the right hallway and up the stairs. As he mounts the stairs, he holds aloft his lighted cigar, after the fashion of a zealous bearer of the torch. Mrs. Pampanelli picking up the orchids from the table below the window. Paula, you should have Jenny put these orchids in water. They keep ever so long in a cool place. Will you call her, Nellie? Mrs. Fell, crossing to meet Mrs. Pampanelli. Give them to me, Betty. I'll take them out to her. Mrs. Pampanelli gives her the orchids. Tell her to put them in a cool place. Nellie starts up for the center door. The telephone bell rings. Will you answer that, Nellie? Mrs. Fell, setting the orchids down on the chair in the left hallway. Certainly, darling. If it's anything concerning the play, I shall be at home on Tuesday at two. Mrs. Fell at the telephone. Yes. Yes. Who? Oh, well, wait just one moment, please. What is it? Mrs. Fell holding the transmitter against her bosom and leaning over the partition towards Mrs. Pampanelli. It's, it's the Star Moving Picture Company. What do they want? They want the address of Mrs. Ritter's manager. Mrs. Pampanelli gives a quick look at Mrs. Ritter. I anticipated this. She goes quickly towards the center door, laying her fan and roses on the left partition seat as she passes out into the hallway. Give it to me, Nellie. Nellie hands her the telephone and, picking up the orchids from the chair, tiptoes back of Mrs. Pampanelli and in through the center door. Mrs. Fell in an excited whisper to Mrs. Ritter. What did I tell you? <laughs> she giggles nervously, shakes her finger at Mrs. Ritter, and then watches Mrs. Pampanelli eagerly. 
mrs pampanelli into the telephone hello hello this is mrs ritter's manager speaking mrs pampanelli pampanelli mrs j duro pampanelli capital p a m p i n e double l i correct yes i see i see well how do you mean a thousand dollars a thousand dollars a day or a thousand i see well just one moment please she lowers the telephone and leans towards mrs ritter speaking in a subdued tone the star moving picture company wants to know if mrs ritter will appear in a special production of tonight's play before the camera mrs fell narrowing her left eye what's the figure one thousand dollars per week fifteen hundred mrs pampanelli into the telephone hello hello mrs ritter rising maybe i'd better talk to them mrs fell suggesting with a gesture that she be quiet and resume her chair please dear mrs ritter meekly sits down again mrs pampanelli into the telephone why i'm sorry but mrs ritter does not appear under fifteen hundred dollars per week mrs fell watching her shrewdly net mrs pampanelli turns and looks at her sharply and nelly emphasizes what she said by inclining her head then mrs pampanelli speaks into the telephone again net mrs fell to mrs pampanelli it's a bargain at that she nods towards mrs ritter mrs pampanelli into the telephone twelve fifty no compromise mrs pampanelli into the telephone well just one moment covering the transmitter and speaking to mrs fell twelve fifty is offered fifteen hundred dollars they'll lift it mrs pampanelli turning back to the telephone why i'm very sorry but mrs ritter positively does not appear under fifteen hundred dollars nelly inclines her head towards her net well how do you mean satisfactory satisfactory at our figure mrs pampanelli glances at mrs fell and mrs fell glances at mrs ritter mrs fell to mrs pampanelli sign mrs pampanelli into the telephone very well then signed at fifteen hundred dollars per week net net and mrs ritter appears she stands holding the telephone and listening mrs fell whirling round and teetering down to paula our star <laughs> i always said it she shakes mrs ritter by the shoulders i always said it she whirls round and teeters up towards the centre door haven't i always said it betty mrs pampanelli is listening on the telephone and tries by dint of thrusting the telephone towards nelly to silence her but nelly is irrepressible that it was only a question of time she turns and flies down towards mrs ritter again we must telephone mrs livingstone at once paula be quiet nelly be quiet mrs fell rushing up towards the centre door again she'll be so interested we'll call up mrs livingstone right away betty please nelly nelly is silenced mrs pampanelli listens sharply nelly and mrs ritter watching her and there is a dead pause beg pardon there is another slight pause and then mrs pampanelli utters an abrupt shriek and sets down the telephone what is it betty mrs pampanelli looks at her then straight ahead mrs pampanelli with venomous enunciation it's ritter mrs ritter rises slowly ritter mrs pampanelli doesn't stir mrs ritter addressing mrs pampanelli friend i recognized his voice why where is he mrs ritter beginning to cry he must be on the extension upstairs nelly listens keenly <gasps> it is he i hear him laughing she crosses down to the door at the left mrs pampanelli taking a step towards mrs ritter sit down paula mrs ritter sits down rests her elbows on the table and weeps bitterly 
nelly stops over at the door and turns paula if he were my husband i should lose no time in having him arrested she goes out at the left door mrs pampanelli standing back of mrs ritter's chair paula dear i do hope that you are not going to allow mr ritter's flippancies to discourage you paula clasps her hands in her lap and looks tearfully at the backs of them the way of the essential artist is always hard and so very frequently the most serious obstacles are those to be encountered at home but i feel so unsuccessful i know dear i know exactly how you feel but you must go on just remember that art is the highest expression of truth and you cannot fail for you have everything in your favor paula thank you and the masses need you dear you are an altogether new note in the theatre but i don't know whether fred'll want me to go on any more mrs pampanelli suddenly becomes very still and stony and looks down at mrs ritter with merciless inquiry mrs ritter senses the change and turns hastily to explain the way he spoke and do you mean that you will allow him to stop you paula mrs ritter breaking down under mrs pampanelli's frozen amusement well of course he's my husband betty she cries mrs pampanelli regards her with a kind of pained toleration and settles her cloak preparatory to going very well then paula if you feel that way about it i should advise you to keep him and i shan't waste any more of my time encouraging you she sweeps around to her left and up towards the centre door there are far too many who are only too willing to make the necessary sacrifices without being urged she picks up her fan and roses from the partition seat lays them across her left arm and turns regnantly to mrs ritter only remember this paula there will be actresses when husbands are a thing of the past she sweeps out through the centre door and out into the right hallway there's a slight pause then nelly fell comes in at the left door she misses mrs pampanelli where is mrs p paula she's just gone out to the car nelly mrs fell stooping to pick up one of the chrysanthemums from the floor do you mind if i take one of these flowers paula she stands in the middle of the room holding it and looking at mrs ritter i want it for my dramatic shrine you can take them all if you like why what would you do dear i don't want them mrs fell crossing towards her now you mustn't feel like that paula ritter mrs ritter having all she can do to keep from crying i just can't help it i see in your husband's attitude nothing but a desperate attempt to save his home for he must know what your performance to-night will inevitably lead to mrs ritter turns with a puzzled expression and looks at her i don't understand what you mean nelly why you must go to new york dear you can do nothing dramatically here but i have a husband ah oh, every married woman has that cross darling but you mustn't let it stand in the way of your career he would very soon eliminate you if you stood in the way of his but i don't like the thought of breaking up his home nelly nelly gives a hard knowing little laugh don't be unnecessarily sacrificial darling i made that mistake with my first two husbands but i was wiser with the third and i said to him immediately we returned from the church i said now leonard you and i have just been made one and i am that one she touches herself on the breastbone with her forefinger then touches paula on the left shoulder <laughs> and it worked out beautifully so be sensible darling she skips up towards the hallway i must run along mrs pampanelli's waiting she teeters out through the centre door into the right hallway cheerio paula darling good night cheerio <laughs> she giggles and vanishes into the right hallway mrs ritter sits still for a second looking from side to side at nothing particularly and presently gets up 
the horseshoe of success over in front of the mantelpiece catches her eye and she wanders slowly towards it but the irony of it all overcomes her and she commences to cry again ritter appears at the head of the stairs and starts down she turns and looks at him as he comes through the centre door fred ritter those women will never come inside that door again the way you talk to them he moves to the piano and leans against it well i don't suppose that'll make very much difference mrs ritter looking straight ahead well it should make a difference they'd hardly come here to see me anyway well they'd come to see me but you won't be here she turns and looks at him blankly why what do you mean i won't be here ritter with a touch of delicacy why aren't you going on with the work well i don't want to go unless you want me to but i do want you to i don't think a talent like yours should be hidden he looks straight out thoughtfully it's too unique i thought you said a while ago you didn't like me ritter raising his left hand and crossing over and down in front of her towards the armchair at the left you mustn't hold me responsible for what i said a while ago he stops back of the armchair and rests his hand upon the back of it i was panic-stricken at the thought of having my home broken up but i've been thinking it over upstairs and i've concluded that it's more important that the world should see you act than i should have a home to come to but i don't like the thought of breaking up your home fred ritter raising his right hand to her with a touch of solemnity you mustn't consider me in the matter at all dear every great gift has its victim and i am in a way rather happy to find myself chosen the victim of yours what would you do if i were to go ritter with the faintest shade of classic pose i'd go with you you'd need someone to look after the flowers see that they got to the various hospitals all right mrs ritter looking away out i might not like it after i'd get there maybe not i suppose fame becomes monotonous like everything else but i wouldn't want you in the future to look back and feel that i had stood in your way no fred i really don't know whether i want to be a great actress or not but you are a great actress dear thank you ritter indicating the anchor roses down at the left look at this anchor of hope he steps back and picks up the horseshoe and this horseshoe of success he brings it forward and sets it down just to mrs ritter's left then he steps across in front of it takes her hand and slips his right arm around her waist and i think paula it might be a very sensible move to just let the public remember you as a great actress as they saw you tonight at your best mrs ritter looking wistfully straight ahead do you think they will remember fred ritter inclining his head with a suggestion of the obsequious yes i think they will curtain mrs ritter turning and sinking into his arms you're awfully sweet fred end of act three end of the torchbearers by george kelly